Oh, boo! I'm James. And my name is Keen, and I'm that bitch. Welcome to the Kiki. It's our little midweek episode where we chat about things just a bit outside the world of Drag Race sometimes. And today it's the Halloween special. We're going to be talking about Bring Back My Ghouls. Was that the technical name of it? The season 12 Halloween special. Um, yes. Yes, available on YouTube and WebPresents Plus. Currently on WebPresents Plus. We'll be chatting about Drag Eula Resurrection. So that's a one-off Halloween special for the rival drag show. Uh, yeah, alternative. Alternative drag competition. And I stayed up super late to watch the Sanderson Sisters um, Hulloween special, um, which was in aid of the Newark Restoration Project. Uh, so I have a few choice words about that so it's going to be an absolute hoot so let's go okay where do you want to start um i suppose we're a drag race show so we (laughs) should start with drag race start with drag race yeah (laughs) okay we'll go drag race hulloween and then Dracula. So we get to okay. finish with the thing that we both actually want to speak about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you haven't watched uh, Bring Back My Ghouls, well done. Uh, good, You've made good choices. <laughs> it is a reunion of the 12... Yeah, 12 queens from Series yeah. 12, hosted by Jada. And she basically Zoom calls them all and they chat about what they're wearing and what they're doing. And then there's a snatch game. That's it. Yeah. I mean, the best bits of the show were clearly, like, were clearly, like, the sort of unscripted conversation between the girls. And Jada remains, like, effortlessly charismatic, I would say, when she's, like, off script. But in the more scripted moments, it was kind of unnatural because the, the, they, they wedged in a couple of performances that I, I felt were unnecessary. A couple of kind of back garden, you know, lip syncs and, and that kind of stuff that I just wasn't wasn't mad about. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of get my collective positive wise. I'm really glad that they were given the platform to raise money and tips because they will have lost out on so much over the course of this year and not being able to get out and perform having just come off the season of Drag Race. So I think that was, it was a really nice thing to do for them, even though the show itself wasn't the best. That you could tip as you watched along. There was a Venmo on the screen. All the tips were divided equally amongst the queens. Did you see anything that would be like, do you know what? Maybe I will tip. Um, no. <laughs> um, like, I mean, if we're talking about kind of, you know, oh my God, I was gagged. Like, no. But I felt yeah. like a lot of people will have, and people will probably have been having parties where they were drinking. And, and like, some of the looks were pretty fun, but you couldn't see them really because they were all just in a Zoom screen. Mm. And I do think that kind of, and we'll talk about it a bit over the course of the thing, all three shows that we're talking about today had to deal with the same challenges. So they all had to deal with the fact that there was heavy restrictions in place in terms of filming. There was massive kind of um, logistical reasons why like putting anything together was going to be challenging. And over the course of the three shows, I really feel like 
Drag Race took the easiest way out. Dragula yeah. did it the absolute best. And I think the Huluween show that I kind of chatted a bit about was, or what I'll chat a bit about, like they kind of tried something a bit different that didn't quite work. Okay. But I, I just, I feel like they took a really lazy way out of doing it. Um, like if, if and, people haven't seen it, this was basically the same as the finale of season 12, except with green screens. That's the only difference. So you don't see into their apartments. You just see a generic, poorly graphically presenting green screen behind them. That's really the only difference in it. Yeah, exactly. Like it was all very much like that episode of, it was, it was all very much like the reunion with RuPaul when he had like, when he was like photoshopped into that weird eye thing. Mm. And like, like it, it was, yeah. It all looked kind of... T- and over the course of the whole thing, I mean, Jada checks in with each of them. She asks each of them, like, trick or treat. So, like, they have to ask... They have to tell her, like, they're an embarrassing hookup story and what their favourite candy is. And then she asks who the serial killer... Who the killer would be and who the first to die would be if their cast had been... Which is the, such like, a question, considering that season had the biggest villain of the franchise, which is the person who got cancelled from the show. And they all had to <laughs> answer, know. who do you think the villain would have been? And nobody <laughs> could say Sherry Pie. I know. Nobody could be like, oh, Sherry Pie is clearly yeah. the manipulative fucking masterpiece villain. Like, yeah, I was... I was pretty, like, I, that was kind of um, frustrating. Like, I, I would have enjoyed even a nod to that. Like, even if they just had been like, oh, well, we all know who the villain would be. Like, mm. you know, like, mm. but like to like completely ignore it entirely was a little bit, um, was a little bit sort of. Uh, yeah, it was the equivalent of much. like having a literal elephant in the room and you being like, smells like elephant in here, isn't it? <laughs> like, no, but yeah. like, really <laughs> prodding what you're not allowed to talk about. It's just. So foolish. One thing I did actually enjoy, one moment, just thinking about it now, that the only time I would have been like, oh, that was clever, fun, I would tip that, mm. was Nikki Doll's, like, baking at home bit, when she's yes, like, actually. oh, like, Grinder Top is coming over, I've got to, I've got to, like, I've got to jump in the shower and douche, or, like, I've got to go into the bathroom and douche, and she's like, oh, that's French for have a shower, and I was like, I thought that was funny and clever, and I liked her whole bit, and her looks are really good, so I did think that hers was, was probably the strongest, and personality-wise, I thought a- Aiden came across really well as well. I was genuinely impressed with the face she managed to do on top of the pie. I was like, that's, I could actually take that from this show and recreate it in my life. So, I, I mean, I'm not just saying that because Nikki Dahl has been the most recent guest we've had on the show. But I genuinely <laughs> think she was one of the best. And she asked Jada what a riddle is. And, and Jada says, a riddle is a joke you need to solve. That's not my understanding of a riddle. No, it's not. It's like a question that you have to figure out the answer to. A verbal like, puzzle. Yes. What Jada was saying was basically jokes. Like, I can't remember any of these jokes now, but each time she was like, you know, okay, James, uh, I've got a few riddles for you. Why, did the ske- why didn't the skeleton go to the ball? Because he had nobody to go with. And then the queens had to be like, oh, that's actually a <laughs> Yeah. Yes, um, I I did think that they they are not riddles. Jade Essence Hall, they are not riddles. I actually did enjoy some of those terrible jokes. I can't remember what ones I enjoyed though. Oh yeah, no, I did too. To be fair, I don't mind a bad joke. One of my favorite lines in the whole thing was Jan after she had done her ASMR segment said, "Be just like me, 
please be safe. I thought that was funny. Yes. <laughs> I did like Jan and I like Jan's look as well. Um, I think that watching it, as I said, like it was like the banter between the queens was definitely the like the highlight because they were really, you could tell that they were obviously a close neck cast that they got mm. on and you could tell that there was like a genuine kind of good rapport. Like I did think that like Jada and Aiden who were the first up, like I thought that they they felt very natural talking to each other and like it felt like I thought I said this just a few minutes ago but I think Aiden probably came off one of the best out of the entire show just because like really put his personality across was very funny I I, I enjoyed him a lot I liked the fact that he was wearing his his um his standard wig I thought that was great <laughs> um but can we move on to talk about like that diabolical snatch game well first of all I did not know who was playing Pennywise for a significant chunk of the viewing portion. <laughs> so Jada is the host, crystalled in her Freddy Krueger looks of her fall look from episode two. And then Jackie Cox is the bride of Frankenstein, a.k.a. Melania Trump. Um, and then there's Pennywise. And I yeah. genuinely was like, that's not Sherry Pie, is it? And then I was like, okay, no, it's not. Then I was like, is that Nina West? Uh, that ultimately it was Jad. No, it was Rock. What? It was Rock and Sakura. I thought it was Jan. No, it was Rock. Oh, wow. Are you sure? <laughs> Not this. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? No, yeah. No, a hundred percent. It was 100%. It sounded 100%. just like Jan's Bernadette Peters. If you've watched it, let us know on Instagram. We're at Sissy That Pod. DM us with this conspiracy is a light. Yes, this is. I, I'm. I'm. I'm going to like step out of the rabbit holes. I'm not going to go onto the forums for this one. I'm just going to let it. <laughs> let, let it be. Let it be a Halloween mystery. <laughs> um. So yeah, you want to talk about how bad it was? Yeah. No, it was terrible. Like it was the the answers. The, like the questions were really bad. And the the answers to them just weren't funny. Jackie Cox, I'm starting to believe, is just not actually funny. Like, I think because she looks so much... I actually so thought much... she was funny. Oh, God, no. Like, she was doing jokes that Aquaria did in season 10. And, like, she... Like, yes. Her whole bit... Her whole bit was, like... I'm Bride of Frankenstein. I'm pretending that my husband is Donald Trump. Okay, funny enough. But I'm going to do this like the same, like literally the same kind of Upper East Side Jewish mom accent that I've done in every comedy challenge thus far. It's like, I feel like Mm. as if I've been tricked by Jackie Cox because Jackie Cox looks like she belongs in a Wes Anderson um, universe. And I love Wes Anderson. So I was like, oh, this will be great. And I'm like, okay, apparently just having some suspenders on and big glasses doesn't actually make you funny. You're not Jason Schwartzman. Stop trying. Like, I I, I, I just, it, it made me, it made me dislike. And then I didn't find her funny in her interview bit either. So essentially what it's done is. I didn't find her funny in that. I, I In the Snatch Game, like, I genuinely maybe smiled, which was the closest I got to a guffaw in the whole thing. And they were, like, thinking it <laughs> two or three times <laughs> with Jackie Cox's Snatch Game. I mean, if it was in the actual show, it wasn't great. But she's up against Crystal, who couldn't get her shit together in this episode. I found her so, like, distracted and couldn't focus. And I thought her Snatch Game with Freddie was awful. And then Jan slash Rock being like a giddy kid who's had too many smarties at a birthday party. So I was like, Jackie is the only sort of steadiness in this. Uh, yeah, I don't agree. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, I just I just don't think that she was... I, I just, as I said, like I think she just... Maybe the very, very, very high expectations that I had in her from the very beginning has kind of just like made her really fall down in my estimation. A bit like Britta, because I'm like... 
I you, I, you feel like you should be giving me more and you're not. And I didn't think mm. I just because her answers, like her answers were all basically could have been stolen off Aquaria and her presentation, like in terms of the kind of like Upper East Side Jewish woman, we've Persian mom, we, we've seen it. In, yeah. in virtually every oh, no, challenge. I totally in, agree. In We've 12. seen it. It wasn't original before a a sort of televisual show that is on average a two out of ten, in my opinion. I felt Jackie was performing at a four yeah. at Snatch Game. And that to me was, was noteworthy. MVP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was a bit, a bit tough. But I mean... Sometimes I don't actually really blame any of the girls for for the sort of shit show that the show was like. Way to do is like, please, can you do a lip sync with just your head, please? And uh, we'll show that for ninety seconds. And like, I'm sure Widow did the best job she could do, but people don't want to see that for ninety. Oh, now seconds. Darian Lake sold it and won the challenge. <laughs> she won it. <laughs> Her head won a prize. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, you're right. Like there, there was a there was a lot of limited kind of like there was they had limited resources, and I think actually you know what like we'll we'll get to Dragula. Dragula was considerably better, but the thing is that with Dragula they were making a proper episode of television. They were making a like a real full piece of television, whereas this I guess was kind of just a little bit thrown together for a kind of like kind of thrown together just as like a like a kind of a seasonal i don't know tenenbaum to use a moira rose word out of place but um but yeah like it was just chucked out there so like they weren't going for anything more interesting or exciting than they made but i think it's a bit of a pity that they didn't they probably yeah, no, just wanted true. to get out and make it with, with a, as low a budget as possible yeah i mean yeah i don't think there's much really left to talk about it to be honest it was interesting to hear a lot of them are releasing music. Rock has a J-pop album coming out, which I think will be interesting. Aiden Zane has music coming out. Um, yeah, I thought Britta's look was really interesting with the red sort of and white sort of almost like pixelated look. I thought the voting yeah. segment was actually notably informative. It wasn't just please vote. It was like, have you checked this same day registration? Check who else is running. Uh, but yeah, overall, I would give it a one star affair, two out of ten. I'm right there with you. I will, I will give it a a, a one star affair, two out of ten as well. Perfect. If you're looking for a vaccine for coronavirus, we're not going to help you with that. But we can help you with a brand new podcast obsession, The Behavioural Vaccine, a series of short podcasts formed in the wake of these unprecedented times to explain evidence-based behavioural science in an accessible and meaningful way. You can check them out there, put one of our stable mates on the Headstuff Network, and here they are to tell you a bit about themselves. Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Porig, and we host the Behavioural Vaccine Podcast. We're behavioural scientists who met through improv comedy. And so each week, we bring the two things together to explore how behavioural science can be applied, but in a fun way. There's a little bit of research. There's a good bit of messing. And there's loads of practical tips on everything from how to save money to how to maintain your friendships. Think about this like a behavioural vaccine to get you through winter 2020. Go on, sure, give us a listen. Okay, so... Hocus Pocus, I think, is a cult classic has become this like absolutely massive, like gay kind of it's 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 the Mariah Carey all I want for Christmas is you of Halloween. The gays love it, the straights love it, everybody loves it, it's the best. And there has been so much speculation about whether there would be a um a sequel to it going back for years and years and years. And it's like like the friends storyline, like it's kind of like, oh will they? What they and just 
this year they did announce that they are going to be doing a sequel and get in the mix of that then they obviously decided they were going to do this fundraising event which was going to be shown globally through you bought you had to buy like a ticket to and all the money went to the new york restoration project and which is a really worthy cause it's all about kind of like providing social and community spaces for um ostracized and marginalized people within new york and provide like older people and and people living more kind of isolated lives really worthy project and it was fun so the story is elvira mistress of the dark wants to bring back the sanderson sisters because she wanted to learn more about them and it's about the journey like a kind of like the the very thin plot is like she's trying to bring them back and and is like going around these various celebrities and and whatnot trying to find out how you can do that and there's like a million and one cameos the most notable of which is from um from meryl streep who pops in kind of out of nowhere and does this really hilarious bit where she kind of just she she drops the fact that she was nominated for an Oscar a ton in like a really funny way like and she's talking about how when she was in Into the Woods that you know um, Bette Midler's character Bette Midler's character had come along to her and was sort of like giving her guff about it but anyway that's very funny so on, is it this is a pre-recorded fictional faux yes. drama thing and so like the way it's obviously it's all everyone recorded their stuff at home and in front of in, in front of green screens and then they like kind of spliced together some of the green screens so you do actually have people interacting like at one stage you have say Todrick Hall performing um his song oh the Jennifer Hudson song and I'm telling you and then um Jennifer Hudson comes in and like knocks him out of the way and she starts singing but it's all done in kind of weirdly because he's obviously been recording it in his house she's recorded in his so they're kind of like trying to match up the green screens like it's all like it, it looks a bit sort of messy and ridiculous and then the only time where people are actually together on stage or like in the one scene is when the three sisters so when Cathy uh, Jimmy whose name I can never say uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and um, Bette Midler together doing their kind of like bit towards the end of it the the storyline is that like once they resurrect the Sanderson sisters Sarah goes missing and Bette Midler Winifred has to go off and start like looking around and finding kind of and, and talks to people so like Billy Crystal pops up um, Keenan Thompson pops up um, what's his name who Ro- not Rob Lowe the one who looks like Rob Lowe but isn't Rob Lowe <laughs> Never mind. Everyone will know who I'm talking about. But anyway, that ageless man who was in an 80s thing. But anyway, look, there's there's like a ton of people like swinging by and like eventually, and all the characters and cast from the um, all the characters and cast from the the uh, original original like pop in through it. It it was it was really quite fun. Um, like messily put together, and I just couldn't help as I was watching it thinking, I wish I was watching this with friends drinking instead of lying alone on my couch while my parents were up in bed asleep and I had to keep the lights up. So I was really kind of like, this would benefit from a bit of a party atmosphere where you kind of are only half watching and not really paying too much attention. Because at the end of it, they do perform the absolutely iconic Hocus Pocus, I Put a Spell on You. It's phenomenal. It was all amazing. It was like bringing you back to that moment. But overall, like it was kind of a little cringy but a good effort. Okay. I, I'm, but, and also it tied in with an announcement that they, they're well, not tied in with an announcement, but tied in with the news that there is a sequel. All the original cast are back for it. So that will be obviously coming um, next year. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Okay. So for people who haven't watched it, is it available on the internet currently to watch? 
No. No. You literally can get it nowhere. If you didn't see it, I'm sure it will be made available to the New York Restoration Project. They'll probably sell access to it again, but it was a one-time thing. Okay. Out of 10? Out, out of 10, I'm giving it a 5 out of 10. Okay. I'm going to say that it was like, it was, it, it, for its campiness, it was definitely, uh, I was going to say in my top, it's in my top two Halloween things, not not Drag Race, <laughs> but no, it was, it was, it was, it was almost as good as Dragula in terms of enjoyment, but not nearly as good as Dragula in terms okay. of quality. Well, That's let's talk say. about Dragula now. So Dragula, if you aren't aware, is a, also a drag televisual competition show. This sort of focuses more on cosplay, gothics, you know, spooky creatures. So drag, horror, filth and glamour, they're the sort of four totems of Dracula that that characters have to live up to so it's less of this female impersonation that drag race would focus on and this was basically a sort of one-off all-stars so it's a two-hour special it's on Shudder which is a streaming service for horror mm-hmm. tv shows and movies um, you have to pay for it but there's a seven-day free trial which is what I used to watch it and then you can just deactivate it again and seven of the former contestants are coming back and they're competing in a, basically a ball there's three different looks one is as a witch one is as a spectral ghost and the other one is a vampire and they lip sync to Kim Petrus um, the queens are from season one for those of you who would know Loris and Frankie Doom from season two Kendra Onyx Dali and Victoria Black and then from season three Priscilla Chambers who was a runner-up and Saint, who used to be called Saint Lucia, and who was good friends with Aiden Zane. There was lots of little d- drag race crossovers as well, because Loris is in a relationship with Honey Davenport. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too. There was a couple of different approaches taken to putting together these specials under similar circumstances. So the way that this was put to the way that this was filmed is that a skeleton cr- camera crew. Uh, I think I I got the impression from the Boulay brothers that they were actually part of that skeleton camera crew, travelled to each of the seven locations and filmed each of the kind of the runway presentations um, and obviously the, the surrounding uh, interviews and stuff with each of the individuals. So you did get that real like immersive, like proper feeling like a, I suppose like when you're not watching something that's filmed on a webcam and they then spliced it together and brought it together with some studio pieces with just the Boulay brothers. There was no point where the contestants brought back together. But I thought like they... I, I, I've always loved with, with... I've always loved with Dragula. I only started watching it a few months ago. But the the sort of the story that they weave through it, this kind of like horror story narrative and that like the, the create creativity of like the story of these two people in the mansion and then sort of it, like that whole side of it was really beautifully put together and I thought that they played into I I, I thought it was really good and I in terms of how they put it across you wouldn't have realised that COVID was an issue if you didn't know that COVID was an issue you would have felt like well this is a perfectly natural way to present this sort of of an episode of this programme yeah definitely there's a moment where I think is it Kendra uh, somebody works in Disney World in like one of the horror attractions there, and they oh, it's Frankie Doom. Frankie Doom, yeah. Uh, and Frankie is like, oh, obviously I can't do that now because of COVID. It kind of caught me off guard because this is the production is so high, and you know the qu- camera quality is great. Like I actually sort of forgot that this was filmed post COVID because it's so good. Yeah. Um, the uh, like and I know there's going to be like Strictly and stuff but you know you watch Strictly and every second word out of their mouth is COVID so this is just really good it's really personal it's in their houses you see them putting together the costumes many of them built sets to go with their their looks it's just such an immersive world and it makes me think in comparison to something like 
all stars or even drag race itself like i understand that there is a certain merit to making these queens only make a look in a, in a in a day or whatever because yeah you know that's a real life scenario that they might have to do for a job but in reality when you give these people more time and more of a heads up for what they're going to have to do they end up with better products and some of the looks on this mm. were incredible absolutely and, and like because I, 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 I do sort of I think when you're putting a challenge to a group of people like they do in Drag Race and say like making your costume fair enough limit the amount of time you have on that but I think like say around the limitation and how much time they get them to give ready for the for the runway because the makeup that some of these people can do is, is phenomenal and takes a long time to do that but yeah like I, I was so impressed by a couple of people on it with just the creativity the ideas the the way they like as like the the performances that they would build in their mind around like what this whole thing was going to be and the, the way they could tie everything together i was so impressed I, I we'll go through i suppose some of the contestants in a little while but i just think that it is with the amount of time that they were in the freedom that they had to do what they were going to do and the lack of restrictions that were put on them by the show they created some absolutely stunning looks and some just stunning like presentations um and yeah, it would be nicer to see a bit of that maybe brought into Drag Race where a bit more freedom was given to the contestants to actually put together like a more full look with some proper time to put behind it. Yeah, I suppose if you think about season 12, the finale, and you get to see Gigi Good doing that lip sync to Aha and like the amount of work she put into that set, some of that, that's kind of what we're yeah. talking about here, except we're talking about witches and vampires and stuff. And I think yeah. that's re- really interesting. To, to see it. it's a different side of the drag queen and it's probably a more true reflection of a drag queen who might be spending two or three months on a look that she gets to wear you know only once and i think I, I just thought it was yeah i thought it was yeah. more of a true reflection the winner of the yeah. show got 20 grand but they also got the opportunity to compete in the upcoming season four of dragula which must mean it hasn't been filmed yet or it hasn't been filmed since this was filmed anyway um and what was interesting in that is there was the runner-up from season one frankie doom runner-up from season two of Victoria Black and the runner-up from season three, Priscilla Chambers there. And I thought it was interesting because I was like, would they even want to go back and compete again in, a, in another season? Would they not want an All-Stars? And then Victoria Black actually mentions that. She says, you know, I'd happily take the money, but I don't really want to go back and compete. The feeling I got throughout it was that Victoria Black was a, was considerably beyond... Like she felt like a kind of a an Alaska Thunderfuck level of mm. drag excellence and kind of like probably did. And it was interesting because even like the Boulay brothers mentioned that about her and she said it up front in her interviews. So there was, I think that they must have realized when they decided not to give it to her, there has to have been a feeling that th- this is not necessarily the stage that she belongs in and wouldn't, you know, it, it, it yeah, I, 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 with the other two, though, I felt like they performed at the same level as the other people, and I would probably see them going back in. And say with like Priscilla, I found through her season, I don't know that she was like spectacular, spectacular. I think that she just kind of there was a couple that she fluked through and kind of ended up higher up just by virtue of kind of like a couple of lucky weeks. Mm. Um, whereas with with Victoria, I really you really see the skill level right from the beginning and right throughout. Yes, definitely. It's kind of being. It's kind of like Crystal Method doing a uh, a special and then winning at the chance to compete in season 13 you're like nah, i mean she's yes. beyond that now do you know yeah yeah <laughs> uh, t- let's talk through some of the looks so i have uh i've written down sort of the inspirations behind the looks in case some of you haven't watched it at home so the first one was a witch and in there you had you know uh, swamp witches a wiccan witch african inspired witch um i know saint was an african mood 
breather, whatever that is. And Frankie Doom was the Grand High Witch from The Witches. So, and then Victoria was like a bog witch. Which was your favourite, can you remember, from, from The Queen's? Um, I really, really, really liked Loris's look. So that was the kind of vinyl, like the, it was the very traditional, almost sort of like Wizard of Oz, um, Wicked Witch of the West look done all in like this vinyl. I, I thought that was phenomenal. I think that like her, her face is, is very, like it kind of goes well with that kind of like evil witchy look as well. Um, I didn't think it needed the weird gag on the back with the green face and the pointing finger. I thought that kind of like brought it down a level, but I, I thought that it was it was probably my favorite um, of them. Yeah, see, I, I I agree with with that. I just for me, Kendra and Priscilla's didn't read magic. I didn't look at them and be like, that's obviously a magical woman. That they kind of just sort of looked like yeah hags. <laughs> 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 I suppose on the topic of Priscilla, this um the show is sort of the first time we, you see her publicly transitioning. So she. She said she came out as trans when she was 14, but I wasn't aware of that on season three, but maybe I missed it. Um, I think she, I think, I think in the course of the interviews, she mentioned how she came out as trans, but then sort of went back. And I think that she was talking, because actually it is like a, a huge issue to, to speak about that, that within the drag community is people kind of not feeling like they can belong to the drag community if they are trans. And there's, there's this kind of difference between kind of a trans person and a drag queen or somehow you're, you're mocking yourself by being one or the other. I related to her more in this episode than I did at all during season three. During season three, I found her to be quite jagged and just like I didn't love the way she came across. I I thought like I can't remember there was someone that they were being mean to. Oh, Dahlia Black. They were all being mean to Dahlia Black, and I was like, I don't like this. Um, whereas in this, I think she came across as much softer and like I don't know, almost someone you would actually kind of like you would want to do well like someone you would actually kind of care you'd like be like excited to see them doing well so it improved my impression of her overall based on her season to this season yeah i mean i had a sort of lukewarm i didn't particularly which didn't annoy me i just was like i never really connected with what she presented on that show and this didn't really change that for me um Okay, what what about the ghost look? Who do you did you like most in that? Hers was probably my favorite in that. Hers and Saints were my two favorites. She did a, a sex worker ghost, right? Yeah, so she did. Yeah, so she did a um like a seventies sex worker ghost. Um, she incorporated a sort of a Black Lives Matter, Trans Lives Matter kind of element into it. Like even just this like taking away the political side of it like the styling and the hair like like the performance it was all like it was kind of fun but had a sort of an edge to it um and yeah like i thought she looked great and sort of like just really powerful in the way she presented it yeah that that didn't read to me as dead that was my only thing i was like I, I I'm just convinced. Were you were you thinking that after a night of hooking, when the trade hadn't liked the um hadn't liked the session, she had had crystallized, and then she had come back, and now she was crystallized drag queen. You took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't get dead from that. And Loris also went for like a suicide theme ghost. I didn't get that the person I was looking at was dead either, and that sort of was like you know. For a witch, it has to be magical for me, and for a ghost, it has to be dead. But even even without all the sort of stylized stuff, that's sort of the fundamental thing I was looking for. Oh, see, I don't know because for in the the bottom end of things in this one, uh, I 
would have said that Loris, because I didn't like, I, it didn't, it felt more like a commentary on like mental health rather than on, um, rather than like ghost. And I also didn't love um, Victoria's because again, it felt more zombie than, than, than ghost. Like I kind of think because Victoria's was a play on a performance that she had given in her season. And I was thinking that actually if she had just been able to like, pr- like create models of the like corpse and then the mad person who was molesting the corpse in that initial performance and then just have like the real version of the person who was being molested looking at that like that would have been a more connected way that would have said ghost i felt rather than trying to see do, like, this I, zombie thing. i thought this was like a sixth sense ghost you know like when like they're still alive but they're sort of in the mangled form in which they died so that's why it kind of read ghost to me but the boule brothers said the same as you that it kind of was more zombie than ghost which probably on paper it was yeah but then saints ghost i thought was fantastic it was like the classic silhouette of a ghost of a sheet over the head but there was a mask where in her eye, eyes and the mouth have a hole in it and the mask was made of lace and the skin was all black and it was just really really haunting but yeah. also a new spin on what a ghost was so she, that was my favorite one that I wanted to mention who I hadn't enjoyed was also Kendra in this one where she was to do the sort of, um, did she do the fire for the, she did the fire she for the ghost. She did the fire for the ghost. So yeah. that was, that was, that was quite cool to see, but there was like elements to that costume that just looked a bit rough. The reason she does the fire is because she is a fire worker, fire breather. And she had a horrific accident where she got serious fire damage. And they kind of talks about that and the trouble she had overcoming it. And I, shares you some of the other queens and their sort of thoughts on it and some being like oh I can understand why she never wanted to do it again and some people being like she's a pussy she needs to do it again so yeah <laughs> it's sort of varied and uh, the final look then was was vampire you had Frankie Doom dressed as a bat Tr- Priscilla was sort of a trash vampire uh, Loris was kind of supposed to be like a COVID-19 viral vampire uh, and Victoria did a sort of period piece yeah which did you like the most out of that? Uh, Victoria's and Saints were the best yeah, me too. by by far. <laughs> I loved the like creepy sixties vibe of Saints. Like it was yeah, I was just so impressed with Saints looks throughout the entire show. And for me, it's kind of funny, like I wouldn't have felt like I had these strong opinions on what makes a vampire, what doesn't make a vampire until I watched the show. Yeah. But for me, a vampire I think needs to look like a real person like aren't vampires supposed to be trying to hide that they're vampires so when you have something like Frankie Doom who's supposed to be this like bat mutation thing I'm like get what you're doing I can see it's a bad I'm just like for me Dracula and vampires and stuff are supposed to be one way but that's just me I was I was okay with Frankie Doom's interpretation of vampire I thought it looked kind of like b-movie monster kind of look I, I do get what you mean about it not necessarily looking vampire but I was kind of like oh it's transforming from one to the other mm. I'm going to give him that but I, I, think, I think that was probably my favourite of Frankie Dooms but he yeah, hampered himself so much because he knew that that performance was going to be a lip sync and then he plastered his face with this enormous prosthetic yeah I know <laughs> uh, we won't say who wins just no, in case, people want, just to in watch case you want to watch it but um, I was happy with, with the winner I thought it was it was deserved. I also enjoyed the way in which the winner was revealed. Um, so if yes. you haven't previously watched Dragula, um, 
the way that they, I suppose, announce the losers of each episode is that at the end there's like a sort of a gruesome death scene where whoever has been unsuccessful in their attempt to spare themselves from extermination is is murdered. And the end of this uh, episode finishes with a VHS tape being delivered to each of our seven queens and they play it. And over the course of it, six of the queens begin sort of bleeding from their eyes nose ear mouth and collapse dead and one is left um and one is left alive and that is our our winner um mm. and i loved the way they did that i thought it was just super super yeah i thought it was funny too the only thing that took me out of it was like am i supposed to believe that these seven people all have vhs players in 2020 <laughs> <laughs> Yes, there is a bit of that. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for listening to this episode of The Kiki. We'll be back with you on Saturday for the finale of Drag Race Holland. We're recording this on Tuesday evening, right before I race downstairs to to watch Bake Off and then stick in for a night of election coverage in the US. So hopefully by the time this comes out. Yeah, there'll be good news to celebrate. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Trump 2020. (laughs) Could you imagine? I think actually that yes, you're right. That it's the most terrifying thing in this Halloween special is that prospect, <laughs> that grim prospect hanging over us all. Oh. Okay, we'll talk to you on Saturday. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.